life hacks to overcome conflict in your family and in your workplace with the Conflict Resolution Coach, Dr. Jerry Fu, on episode number 193 of the Beyond Adversity Podcast with Dr. Brad Miller. I realized that, you know, if I had to choose between the competition and reading and recovering and just taking it, take, having a, a more restful morning, I realized that was the more important thing. And so, you know, it was tough to say no, right, to something I enjoy so much. But then I realized that you know, there's, you know, bigger game to hunt or bigger fish to fry, right? There's something more important at hand than just, you know, feeling good about myself or volunteering with some kids. Hi there. This is Ty Morgan from InfinitePlanning.org, where I financially and emotionally support families that are not given options and help them to find a way to financial freedom. With Dr. Miller, we're here to help you find a way to beyond adversity to your life of peace, prosperity, and purpose on the Beyond Adversity Podcast. Welcome to the Beyond Adversity Podcast with Dr. Brad Miller, the show dedicated to helping you crush adversity and succeed in life. Brad believes you deserve a life that is fulfilling and impactful, and this show is designed to help you navigate beyond adversity and achieve your life of peace, prosperity, and purpose. Now, here's Dr. Brad. Hello, good people. Welcome to Beyond Adversity with Dr. Brad Miller. What a pleasure and a privilege it is to have you join me today as we continue to navigate through uh, the adversities in your life, which can put you in the ditch. Things like depression, divorce, disease, debt, and death. We like to deal with those by talking to great leaders and authors who can help you to grow through what you go through. You can always head over to our website, drbradmiller.com for over 190 episodes of this podcast to speak into your life. And we've got a free gift for you there. Let me ask you something. Have you ever had a problem in the family or at work? Of course you have. We call those problems oftentimes conflicts. We have a different understanding of the circumstance at hand or a vision of our family for us is different than what we have in mind. Or perhaps we're at loggerheads with our boss or coworker or even someone who is an employee of ours in the workplace. Or maybe it's somebody you live with that's a spouse or a roommate that you have difficulties with. We can choose to remain stuck in that conflict or to do something about it. Our guest today, Dr. Jerry Fu, was stuck in many of these places, and it was tearing him up. He's going to talk to us today about his journey about to how to become a conflict resolution coach, which is based out of his own feelings, out of his own experiences with his own family, an Asian-American family. In fact, a lot of the focus of Dr. Jerry Fu's work is with Asian-American folk, both in the home, play, home and in the workplace. In his life, he has had conflicting matters in the family. In the workplace, he's also with pressures and so on in the family. In the workplace, he's been fired himself. He's had to deal with bounced paychecks, get displaced, having to move from one city to another. He's had to fire people, and he even had to evict a roommate. And all these matters led to great turmoil in his life. 
So you're going to feel that in our conversation here today. And you're also going to learn something. You're going to learn about the questions he started asking himself and about the life hacks that he came about, learned about, uh, and and to turn some things around in his life. And then how he has been able then to deal with these areas of having a temperamental boss, come to terms with his relationships with his family, and to feel okay about uh, being upset about some matters and how to resolve them in his own life and how he then deals with that in others. And he's here to teach you these life hacks based on these great questions. And we're even going to talk about uh, his life as a dancer a little bit. It's a great conversation if you're having conflicts in your life, in the workplace, or in the family, with a particular focus on Asian, uh, on Asian American folks. But I think there's transferable principles that are going to be available to all of us. And particularly when you come back on the other side of the interview, I want to speak to you about some of the things, some of the actual questions and life hacks that Dr. Jerry Fu has to offer us as we talk about what you can do about it to resolve your own conflicts. He blogs at adaptingleaders.com. A-D-A-P-T-I-N-G-L-E-A-D-E-R-S.com. His name is Dr. Jerry Fu, and we welcome him to Beyond Adversity. We have a great leader and coach with us today. His name is Dr. Jerry Fu from AdaptingLeaders.com. He is a conflict resolution coach, which helps people to deal with conflicts in the workplace and in their personal life, with a special emphasis upon Asian American leaders. Dr. Jerry Fu, welcome to Beyond Adversity. Hi, Dr. Brad. Awesome. So glad to have you with me today, Jerry. You've got little, you've got really an interesting take, an interesting story to tell about your life. You come from a, an Asian American uh, background, and that really is reflected in your story, especially in some of the conflicts that you had to resolve in your life in order to become the conflict resolution coach in your own right. Tell us a little bit about your story. What led you to this line of work? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So my parents came over to the U.S. from Taiwan for grad school and, you know, decided to chart their own course coming here. And, um, you know, I grew up with a, with a healthcare background. My grandpa was a, a practicing in Taiwan as a physician for over 50 years. And then, you know, had uncles in healthcare. I grew up with two cousins nearby who both went to Harvard and went to med school. So, you know, the bar was set pretty high for that. So between the career path in healthcare, which is kind of lined up for me along with just being very conflict diverse and just trying to, you know, my family was just trying to mind their own business, right? They're trying to create a better life for themselves here. And despite whatever racism or discrimination or unfair circumstances, right? They just said, hey, well, you know, it's just not worth it to fight them back. We're just going to, you know, keep you know, doing our best to build our own lives, you know, within, within our own means. And so I grew up in a, in a conflict diverse home, but, you know, my parents were always very gracious hosts whenever guests came over and any frustrations they had guests were, you know, rude or inappropriate, you know, that was just handled in-house. They never would have known better. And so this is what I saw as model for me is how to deal with conflict, right? You know, just you resent them for not, meeting your standard, even though you've never communicated that standard to them. And then, you know, you just hope that you get over it, you know, with enough time. And so it doesn't, it doesn't make for a good formula, but you don't realize that until it's too late. All right. Mm. And so I grew up with this idea in mind. And so, you know, I, I managed to, you know, 
go honor my parents' desires for me to work hard and get good grades and get into a good school. And all of this was very short-sighted for me because this is the immigrant's vision for how to really establish yourself, right? Get good grades, get a profitable skill set where it doesn't matter what skin color you are, people have to call you doctor, right? That's credibility and money um, you know, that they need. And they, the idea is that somehow this is enough, right? Hey, you know, get the job, get the credibility, get the money, get married, pass along your family name. This is the definition of success we want you to follow. And so my attempts to fulfill this plan took a hard right in college when I got a scene organic chemistry. <laughs> and so that was, you so know, that became a big deal apparently, right? Oh yeah. I didn't know what to do with myself. Right. Because I, you know, I graduated top 10 in my high school and, you know, so I wasn't used to failure. Um, and the few failures that I did experience, like you just felt so embarrassed about them and just said, okay, don't let this happen again. It wasn't failure. wasn't framed as an opportunity to learn and really grow and, and improve in a way that you wouldn't want to admit to yourself. Rather, it was just something as seen as a sign of incompetence and just brought embarrassment, right. Uh, on your name and your reputation and, and the family's name. And so you had to pick a path that almost would avoid, you know, this kind of embarrassment. And so, you know, for me, getting waitlisted or rejected from med school after all the expectations I set coming out of high school, you know, seemed insurmountable to me, right? When you don't know any better, this is, you're just afraid of embarrassment and, and shame. And so I said, well, I, I need to pivot. I want to do something in healthcare, but what else is available to me? And so I said, well, pharmacy seems pretty reasonable. Let me pursue a, a degree in pharmacy and a career in pharmacy. And so I convinced pharmacy school that I would make a good pharmacist. And next thing you know, I am starting my pharmacy school journey. I get through that without a, a lot of hitches, thankfully. But, you know, we, we came to another, I came to another crossroads when I was about to graduate because my mom was very particular about me working for a company that she really, even though she'd never worked a day in her life in pharmacy, moms always know best, right? So, <laughs> of course, so, of course. So, you know, this on top of the fact that I was very, I was even more conflict averse than, than, you know, ever because I just wasn't in the mood to deal with it at all. You know, every time someone leaned in to be upset with me, I would just take the path of least resistance, you know? And so in this case with my mom, I just wasn't, in the mood, I didn't have the energy to deal with her insistence on the path she felt that was best for me. So I ended up taking this job, regretted it within the first two or three months of, of really starting with them. And, you know, she also had a girl lined up, you know, and tried to push me toward her. And so oh, really, getting... so she lined up your job and your girlfriend. Is that yeah, absolutely. Right. Okay. And this is how this is how they want to rescue us. Right. Because it's like, well, if life isn't going the now, way just we... culturally, is this pretty common in the Asian American experience? I just I'm just asking. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's, you know, parents are always going to be your parents. Right. And so okay. the ones who understand, hey, like, you know, it's not it's not typical parents to just say, OK, you're 18. Stand on your two feet. Good luck. Right. They don't they don't do that. It's like there's they want to take care of you, but it's like there's strings attached pretty much on every <laughs> on every on everything that they give you. <laughs> yeah. And so, yeah, you know, so, yeah, had the girl lined up, had the job that she thought I should be more grateful for, more content with. And I and at one point, I actually was OK with the job. Eventually, the girl moved on because she just realized I wasn't going to move forward. And I'm thankful that she didn't wait too long for me sure. to realize that this wasn't. But the job at one point I actually had a job that gave me flexible scheduling and the quality of life that I was looking for. And so I got complacent 
because I knew, number one, how rare this was. And so I was afraid to leave it because I was like, well, you know, in chain pharmacy, you don't get a lot of good pharmacy jobs that would be long term. So I better hang on to this and make the most of this, which I, I, mainly, I mainly did. I was living at home. I used the money. I didn't have to pay rent. So I just used the money on trips and things like that. So that was nice for a while. But when that went away, when I transferred stores, I was unhappy again because I didn't have the uh, flexibility and scheduling to do what I wanted. And so after a customer service incident that just really left me reeling, I, you know, I did my best to put out the fire with someone who was very, you know, ran out of nice things to say. And then even worse, my partner gives me the stink eye because she felt like I didn't handle it nearly as professionally as that she thought I could have. And I just said, oh, my goodness, I have to do something else. Like, I have to get out of this job. Like, it didn't matter that I just earned a third week of vacation. I just needed to get out. And so I wanted to get into teaching pharmacy students, but didn't have a PhD, didn't have a residence for a conventional academic job. But a friend of mine who worked for a consulting company here in Houston, a pharmacy consulting company, said, hey, my previous teaching position is open since I got promoted. Would you like to apply for it? I said, absolutely. So now I'm interviewing for this job. I convinced them I weren't taking the chance on. So now I'm leaving a full-time job with benefits to take on a part-time job, you know, moving from Tennessee where I was living at the time to, to Houston to take on this new challenge. And of course my mom like is just all upset because she doesn't know anything about this new company. She doesn't know anything about my living you know, setup, anything like that. But I can, I'm not under her watchful eye. Anymore. And I assume you're moving away from home as well, yeah, right? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Like now I'm, now I'm a plane flight away. Right. And so initially I thought, okay, right. In my short sightedness, oh, just get into a good college. Okay. Just get into pharmacy school. Okay. Just get another job. Right. And uh, initially the first couple of months were great. I was, the novelty was there. I was more excited. I felt more alive at my job, but 11 months later I got fired. And that was what was really tough uh, for me. It was, it was, it was one of the best things that ever happened to me, but I I didn't appreciate it at the time. And I'll be happy to elaborate that, uh, elaborate on that later. But you know, I, what do I do with myself? Right. I'm just used to the shame of failure. I'm used to saying, Oh my goodness. Like all my friends are going to have all these questions about why I lost this job with this great company that they all envied me for, for, you know, for so long. And now, you know, I can't even move back home. The job market has become much more saturated. I can't even move home to take out my previous position. That's when the roller coaster continued to take some really weird turns. I ended up at an independent pharmacy uh, where four of my paychecks bounced filling for crooked doctors. So I was jeopardizing my license and this guy was in deep pain for it. So you had and some so- family stuff going on, you work related <laughs> stuff and you end up with some financial related stuff. If your paychecks were bouncing. So yeah. Well, several, right. And several things were happening here. Yeah. And what do I do with this conflict? Right. And uh, the other wrinkle I talked about conflict aversion and just how toxic it is. Right. I didn't even have a local bank account. Like I just was mailing checks home. And so when the first check bounced, you know, my boss actually called me and told me, hey, sorry about this. Something happened, but we'll, we'll make it up. And I said, OK, that's fine. You know, things happen fine once. Sure. Then the second, third and fourth checks bounced. But I had no idea because I was mailing him home and my mom was too afraid to tell me that this was happening. And it's like, <laughs> mom, like this is not good. Right. I'm 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 tithing. Right. With money I don't actually have. Right. Yeah. This is a problem. And I don't know that I don't have this unless you tell me bad news. Right. Yes, you can't be scared to say things like this. Protecting you so, from yourself, so to speak. Right. In a way. Yeah. yeah. And so, you know, I that was the wake up call. Just, hey, you know, there's some pretty harsh people out there. Not everybody is harsh, but you got to look out for the ones that you got to have some better warning signs. Right. Sure. So in my misguided view of grace, I'm just like, well, you know, I'm going to honor my part, even if he doesn't. And everyone's telling me, to, like, you need to leave. You can't even pay your bills like unless he pays you. 
So after nine months of unproductive cycle, my friends get me on with another company uh, that's more legit, but money is tight and they can't pay me more than eight hours a week. So I move out to Austin to get more hours at another store. And, you know, this is two and a half hours away from Houston. I could end up in worse places, but, you know, it just wasn't home. And I had no idea what my life was going to look like at this point. And so that summer was key because some friends of mine who run a pharmacy leadership said, hey, we have a facilitated position that opened up. And we know you've been facilitating workshops on the fraternity side, but would you like to step in for a leadership teaching role? And I said, absolutely. And so teaching leadership kind of helped me change my thinking around leadership because before I just said, wow, leadership is hard and I haven't been good at it. So I don't know if I'll ever be good at it. And just this very pessimistic view. And again, I don't want to. So your friends helped you make a shift then to teaching as, as a pivot point from being working at the store, just kind of a just a regular pharmacist dispensing pharmaceutical goods, I assume, mm-hmm. and then to now teaching leadership. This was yeah, a, this that was, was uh, this yeah, was that was like the seeds were planted. Yeah, this is the seeds were planted. Like I still needed pharmacy work because you know that was what was immediately available to me, and uh, mm-hmm. you know teaching leadership. Yeah, it gave me the confidence to start asking myself, well, what if I could be a good leader? You know, would I allow for that possibility? And you know, how would I carry myself? What work would that involve? So when a full time position in Houston opened up later that fall, I said, I'm I'm not going to stay scared. I can't afford to um, miss this opportunity. So I want to come home. Let me do. Let me do this. And yeah, proceeded to get ridden up the following year because I had problematic technicians I was not disciplining or firing. And so management says, okay, that is a problem, and your passivity is also a problem. And so as I'm in the middle of my probationary period, the company has their funding pulled. And so I'm just wondering, well, what do I do next? Did that mean, the your, only did reason, that mean your teaching position went away as well? Well, the, the consulting job was already gone for a while. Like the, okay. the, the teaching um, seminar was just for the summer. It wasn't, uh, it wasn't a full, it wasn't a full-time job. So okay. yeah, that was still, but it was a good opportunity because that's what planted the seed to save my pharmacy career. Because the only reason I had pharmacy jobs after that was that I took on more positions that involved leadership. And so the jobs were more plentiful, but they also were temporary. They, the business models weren't sustainable for the jobs that I was landing. And so after my previous job went under four years ago, I said, well, you know, I'm tired of chasing scripts. I'm tired of fighting insurance companies for reimbursements. But I love teaching these leadership workshops, you know, which I consistently done, you know, every other summer since the first time. And I said, what if I had a career in coaching? What if I had a career facilitating workshops like this? Because I know how much I loved. um, So that led you, that led you eventually to creating your, your company adapting leaders.com, which is leadership training and coaching. Is that correct? Basically. Yeah. It took a while because this, you know, I declared myself as a coach in 2017, but I didn't start my LLC until 2020 because I was still so afraid of failure and rejection. And, you know, when the pandemic hit, that's what I tell people. It's like a pandemic for me to wake up and say, okay, how much longer can I put this off? Yeah. And so, yeah, it's still so try circle fail. So you've had these, what I'm trying to get at here with yeah. Gary, you've had these yeah. crisis moments. You've had crisis mm-hmm. moments in your family. Yes. You, whether you're, you may not have even acknowledged them as crises at the time, mm-hmm. but they were. You mm-hmm. had crisis moments in your career. You had crisis mm-hmm. moments in your finances. You had yeah. crisis pivotal or crisis moments in your living arrangements moving mm-hmm. here to there. And then, but the big crisis that kind of made you change, it sounds like, was the pandemic. And that's uh, (laughs) kind of been a pivotal point for you. So let's talk about some of the pivotal points that caused you then to do something about it. You had these pain all along, but now Mm -hmm. you did something about it. So what are some of the actions that you took and maybe you advocate 
others take to mm-hmm. begin to, you know, do something about to resolve these conflicts that you had. What are you going to mm-hmm. do about it? So what did you do about it? And maybe what are some less some uh, transferable principles to other people? Yeah, great, great question. You know, my problems are not new. <laughs> they are they are unique to me, and yet they are not new, right? Sure. There's people that are a little further along in the leadership path that have probably seen the problems that I've dealt with. And so the first thing is just to ask for help, right? Whether you find a book on Amazon, like The Four Conversations, which helps with dealing with conflicts and broken expectations in organizations. That was a book that a friend had pointed out to me in terms of, you know, what are some resources out there? Right. And so when you're able to study success that you haven't been able to picture for yourself and you say, OK, how did they do it? Right. That, that was one step. Right. The first is just to go out there and learn something from either a book or a person you respect. Right. That has experience that you're looking for. Yes. And then the second, though, uh, is to put yourself in situations where you have no choice but to apply these principles. And. Because uh, you could do it one of two ways. One is just to ask your friends to hold you accountable. Hey, you know, I'm about to take on this challenge. Can you be sure I actually follow through with what I say I'm going to do? You know, and that's helpful. But I'll give one situation quick where, you know, yeah, I had no choice but to engage. At one point, I served as a church client at a church I was going to here in Houston. And my second day as director, I find out that a newer guy in the class was sexually harassing women in the class. And they tell me, hey, Jerry, you're director. You got to handle it. It's like, you didn't give me a manual. (laughs) They're just like, just handle it. Just figure it out. It's like, okay, well, I got to run toward the gunfire. And so when I, when I know that is unacceptable in this case, you know, if I didn't do anything, he was probably just going to keep doing what he's doing. Right. Right. Because no one was calling him out on it. So yeah, the second is to just kind of take on challenges like this and and whether it's at work or personal, you know, take on challenges where you realize, Hey, this is what I got to work on. Sometimes I've heard that phrase, and you may have—I forget the uh, how the story goes—but about the uh, explorers who came to America, and the explorer burned the ships behind him so that the they couldn't go yeah. back to Europe or whatever. You know, exactly. burn the ships because you had, then had to deal with the situation yeah. in hand. So good, but go, go on, please. So you you ask for help. You can mm-hmm. put yourself in these, you know, you had no choice but to deal with the conflict. seemed like mm-hmm. there's one more thing you at least wanted to say about that. Yeah, yeah, sure. I mean, the, 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 the key is afterward, right? It's one thing to just charge ahead. It's another to, like, you didn't even, did you even evaluate the situation, right? Because if you didn't, right, like, how much value is that to you, right? John Maxwell, the grandfather of, of all leadership gurus, right? He said, you know, if experience is not enough. Evaluating experience is, you know, is, is the key to really growing, right? Hey, what did I take away from this? You know, sure. when I dealt with this guy, you know, what did I, how would I change my approach afterward? Right. Yeah. You know, how would I adjust things? That's awesome. So, so now you've got some tools to work with. Mm-hmm. You've got some tools to work with in conflict uh, resolution, you know, ask mm-hmm. for help, learn, gather information, mm-hmm. and you apply it by putting yourself into those positions or sometimes we find ourselves in those positions once we have uh, become aware about this. We we mm-hmm. we stop the avoidance of yes. situations in order to to deal with the, the deal with the present pain up front rather than, than to have some benefit on the back end and then evaluate in order to do something about it. And so that that's what I like to think about talk about is how we need to kind of physically in a way change our posture on how we deal with. <laughs> Uh, adversity. And that's part of what we're, we're about here. And a lot of people have had that the last year or two with the pandemic mm-hmm. has forced people to change their posture, their pivot. 
and you do what you got to do, you know, uh, <laughs> at, at those, at those, those points, you know, we've heard about the, you've heard the term, the great resignation, I'm sure yes. on how people then have found out once they changed, it was, wasn't quite so bad. They kind of liked it mm-hmm. and that type of thing. Let's mm-hmm. go to the inner life a little bit. You touched on it just a little bit and you said yeah. you're involved with the church and some things like that. That was part of your mm-hmm. process. What I'm interested in now, Jerry, is any part that played in your transformation, your personal transformation, which you teach others, that has to do with the inner life. I'm talking about a connection to some sensibility that's higher than yourself. And I don't really mean your mother here, that kind of thing. (laughs) You know, I mean like a spiritual thing or a meditative Mm -hmm. thing or just a drive to, you know, to improve self. Tell me about any connection to the inner life that was a part of this transformation process for you. Yeah, sure. I think one path that really helped give me perspective anyway on what this faith life was really about is when actually it was a la- at a later stage of burnout while I was serving as director of this church class. And during that phase where I was just discouraged and I just said, wow, you know, I need a shot in the arm. You know, where do I go to kind of sit and receive and recharge? Right. And so there happened to be a former missionary that was starting a fellowship that had started the fellowship at this um, church I've been going to. So it's it's like this internal supplement. And, you know, he started to, he he was very good about asking questions about, you know, the Bible and just, you know, what it really means to live out faith. And so to have his perspective and to make me curious again about what is this really about? And then I actually went to Beirut with, with a nonprofit of Arabic Christian doctors and to see these practitioners do work in dangerous parts of the world, like Damascus or Mosul, and to see just how patient and persistent and gentle they made me realize that all the problems I was dealing with as a director were not about me. There was just a, a much bigger picture, a much grander scheme at play when it comes to building relationships and loving people who you know, may not love you back the way you'd hope they and hopefully that gave you a little deeper motivation for change then, not mm-hmm. based on the present situation, you know, having a paycheck and mm-hmm. pleasing mom or, you know, getting along and, mm-hmm. you know, all that kind of thing. You have a little bigger motivation and motivation greater than self. And mm-hmm. I'm just one that really thinks, Jerry, that that's an important part. If you're going to have true transformation, it's got to be uh, you know, physical and it also has to be a spiritual and mm-hmm. inner life. I also think it also has to be cognitive with, you know, change our actual ways, change the way yeah. we think, our sure. mindset, uh, how we actually do things. And I'm, I'm talking now about new habits or new practices or new ways of doing life that mm-hmm. may be different than what you were before. It seems like before you were in the people pleasing thing and this mm-hmm. type of thing. Yeah. Uh, maybe you have some things here. What are some things you do? Maybe you do now or maybe teach now that may be mm-hmm. different than what you had before. I'm talking about habits, practices, things like this. Yeah, yeah. This one is pretty simple, but it's also very profound. And I'll give an example with it after I state it. One question to ask yourself is when an opportunity comes up to do something, you know, like an activity on a Saturday afternoon or something like that, right? You ask yourself, well, what else could I do? What else could I be doing with this time? Right. And so I'll give a personal example where at one point I was volunteering to help out with an elementary school math competition. And this was like on a Saturday morning. And I had a lot of fun doing it. Right. It was it was meaningful. It was it was great. And, you know, after the next year rolled around and they asked for people to volunteer again, I had to ask myself, well, what else could I be doing with that time? 
you know, and I thought, well, I could be sleeping and, you know, recovering from sleep, you know, get sleep. I could be reading my book that I, you know, that I really wanted to finish. And I realized that, you know, if I had to choose between the competition and reading and recovering and just taking it, take, having a, a more restful morning, I realized that was the more important thing. And so, you know, it was tough to say no, right, to something I enjoy so much. But then I realized that yeah, there's, you know, bigger game to hunt or bigger fish to fry, right? There's something more important at hand than just, you know, feeling good about myself or volunteering with some kids. So you did the volunteering piece, but you then also choose the physical health part of your rest mm-hmm. and your so you did some things to renew self mm-hmm. but a part of renewing self some of it was the volunteerism that type of thing but also some yeah. of it was the renewal of self for what you were working on there so yeah. that's awesome yeah. what's another aspect i believe jerry of personal transformation you know we talked a little bit about that cognitive the mental health mm-hmm. side of things but is the emotional uh, aspect, and that goes to relationships. Mm-hmm. You've mentioned a little bit about some people gave you some books and some things like this, or pointed in a different direction. You mentioned some mm-hmm. uh, mentor type folks. Yeah. Tell me a little bit about uh, emotional relationships. You know, you mentioned some ones that were a little bit problematic. You know, in your mm-hmm. family and that kind of thing. Tell me about some emotional relationships that may have been helpful to you moving forward in terms of just you know, transformation. You know, I'm talking friendships, mentors. Family, any mm. part of that, the emotional. Part. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think one, one, uh, one person that was key in this leadership transformation is a pharmacist named Michael Negretti, and I will sing his praises till the day I die, <laughs> because okay. I, when I first co-facilitated the leadership material, he was the one I was paired up with. Now, already liked him. You know, I knew him as a, you know, as a, as a guy I respected, but to work with him up close and to see just how he brought out the best in me and training me up and equipping me and giving me the confidence to, to pull my weight and run through walls for him. I had to ask myself right after I worked with him, I said, you know, what exactly was it about his style or his personality that really, you know, motivated me well, because that was the first time that in a long time that I felt like someone like joyfully motivated me to, to move forward and, and, and do some, you know, it was, it was difficult work and yet it was very rewarding. And so the things that came up with after, you know, thinking about this some more was to number one, Mike is fun to be around, right? He's just a pleasant guy. He doesn't crack the whip. He's just, he's just fun to be around. Number two, he's fun to learn from. And, you know, he's always reading some new book. He's always learning something interesting and you just want to see, well, Mike, well, you know, what are you learning now? Right. Third, he's a relentless worker. He sets the tone. There's no question about how hard he works. Number four, he's always tinkering. Like he's always thinking, how can this be better? How can this be better? How can we rearrange this? You know, what could, what do you think can we try with this? And then number five, he's very collaborative. He says, hey, you know, I, I, I reshuffled the lineup. What do you think of this, Jerry? And then I say, well, you know, I think this and that, or, you know, wow. And I just want to keep up with what he was doing. And so that's a relationship. It's, we still have a friendship to this day. You know, we're both busy with things, but every time there's an opportunity to work with them, I never turn it down because I know that I'm always going to, I love giving and supporting to him, but also I know that I'm also, it's a mutualistic beneficial. It's not like part of what you learned from, from him, from your mentor here, from your friend who has been also a part of the process. Now that you choose to try to be helpful to other people, you've got a Mm -hmm. coaching program called adapting leaders. And among the things, you talk about 
is how to deal, how people deal with a temperamental boss or a stale friend or family expectations. Some of the things we've touched on here. Yeah. So you've been motivated to create this coaching program and you have some mm-hmm. interesting uh, insights on your website yeah. at uh, adaptingleaders.com. But tell me a little bit about uh, what motivated you to do this coaching program and what are people going to find if they uh, go to your website and want to learn more about what they can find there and what you offer? Sure, sure. So the, the main benefits, right? So I'll, I'll take a client situation. At one point, a client of mine, there was a girl at church that he thought was attractive. He wanted to ask her out. And so, you know, he goes up to her, asks for a number, she gives it to him. And then she doesn't, isn't that responsive to his calls. And then after he does a little more research on social media, he realizes that she already has a boyfriend. Right. And so it's like, well, what's the, what's really going on here? Right. Was she just being nice? She just didn't want to. Turn him down, even though she's already spoken for. Like, what's what's the, what's going on? And so he's telling me all this, and you know, like, what do I do? Right? I can't I can't just sit on this resentment, right? So we talk about, hey, okay, let's script out. How do you want this conversation to go? Right? So I ask him this, you know, how do you want this to go? Well, you know, I'd like an apology from her, like if it's appropriate. It's like, okay, you know, what are some openers you could use to to uh, address the situation without antagonizing her? Let's talk about some some phrases that you can play around with and improv off of. And so, you know, let's and then to ask him, you know, how do you want to set this into motion? Can you find 10 seconds of courage to just go up and, and ask her, hey, you know, can I borrow you for for a couple of minutes? I need to sort out a situation with you. You know, would that be is that okay? Is now a good time? Right. And, you know, so the call I get from him later saying, hey, you know, yeah, you know, I was able to address the situation with her. She apologized for, you know, leading me on because she just realized that she just didn't want to admit that she was too afraid to say no, even though she already had a boyfriend mm-hmm. or she was interested in somebody else, you know, for him to say, I, you know, to, to hear him tell me just how grateful he was for my help. That he's like, I'm so glad I did this. Yeah. Right. It's because um, you help coach him to be assertive to yeah. follow through rather than just stewing about it. So Yeah. Yeah. Give him clear steps, give him the confidence to do it and then let him experience the closure. And once they get that first win, you know, yeah. they want more of it. And do you have application to do it. You actually take mm-hmm. the action. And that's awesome. That's a great, a great story there. Well, I know if people go to your website, tell me what people are going to find there. I know you have a, a uh, resource there that you'd like people to be aware of. Tell us about that. Oh yeah. I want to give this away to as many people as I can because <laughs> I believe awesome. in its value, believe in it's helpful. Yeah. You can download a free guide on a framework to handle difficult conversations, whether it's personal or professional, this will give you five steps to increase your chances of success because oftentimes, right? What looks like complacency is actually confusion, right? A lot of people know that they need to have a hard conversation, but if gives them a plan, right. Or gives them like some kind of lighted stairway to success, right. You know, they could find their way there, but it'll take a lot more time and energy sure. than they probably need to. But other things on the website that are free, set up a complimentary 30 minute call, you know, tell me your situation, right. Get to share your story, share whatever you'd like. And that 30 minutes, I just want to add value and, and, and help you through whatever you're dealing with, or just check out the blog where I summarize useful and interesting leadership books and offer other life hacks. And that's all available for, for free. At your website, which is adaptingleaders.com. So yes. you can either go there directly or you can go to drbradmiller.com and we will have links 
to the website there and you heard there was some helpful things about conflict resolution. So step-by-step approach, some things to be helpful to you. And particularly if you have some of these things that have happened in your life, in the workplace or uh, from Asian American culture, which is one aspect here. And we didn't even get into some of the other stuff you're into, uh, ballroom dancing and salsa dancing and things like that. And so maybe there are some life lessons in that of how to have fun. But you, you've got a fascinating story to tell. Very helpful because people, everybody has conflicts. Everybody has conflicts, but so many people submerge them and don't do anything about that. And then yeah. it comes out, uh, oftentimes, the manifestation of conflict comes out in other ways. It could be health-related or some devastating you know, result. We don't want that. So some helpful things to us here. His name, Dr. Jerry Fu. He's a pharmacist by his profession, but his calling and his energy has to do with helping folks like you to resolve conflict in your life and to have a more fulfilling life in, in many aspects. So thank you, Dr. Jerry Fu, for being our guest today on the Beyond Adversity podcast with Dr. Brad Mellon. All right. Thank you very much, Dr. Jerry Fu, for being our guest today on Beyond Adversity. Uh, I hope you heard in his uh, sharing some of the uh, process that he went through personally to resolve conflict in his life, in his home life, particularly with the the specific pressures of an Asian-American family, and then some of the things uh, that the pressures he felt in the workplace and difficulties with roommates and so on, all kinds of things he had to deal with and some of the processes. So you felt the emotion. You learned a little bit about the process that he went through, the questions he started asking himself, and some of the mentors that he had to get through these things. And then he came up with some life hacks, some things that you can do. So let's review for a moment what you can do about this yourself if you find yourself in your own situation of needing conflict resolution. A couple of things I would just lift up to you. The question that he asked us to ask ourselves is, what else can I do? That is, of a situation of making a choice comes into play, what are some things we can do besides that which gives us pressure or what can relieve the pressure on us or what are some alternatives? Sometimes we think there's only one direction to go and we stew on things and he gave us permission to pause and reflect on what else can we do. And then a part of that process then, and this is the important takeaway I want to give for you today. I really liked what he said about kind of adapting in your situation and screw up the courage to take 10 seconds of courage, he calls it, and script that out, write that out in order to have a conversation, a creative conversation with someone that you have uh, conflict with. And that's really what his website is all about at adaptingleaders.com, A-D-A-P-T-I-N-G-L-E-A-D-E-R-S.com. We'll have links to it at our website, drbradmiller.com. But he talks there and about the uh, this matter of dreading conflict and doing something about it. And he has a downloadable resource, which is a guide for engaging in difficult conversations. Hope that you'll go there and pick that up and take action on resolving your conflict. Here at the Beyond Adversity podcast with Dr. Brad Miller, we are all about taking action because I'm a huge believer that uh, things do not resolve themselves in your life. Uh, we call them the five D's of adversity, depression, divorce, disease, debt, and death. We believe that you need to have a process to get through it. That means taking action. So we call it the ACTS plan, A-C-T-S. A is for taking action. 
You know, if you're here and doing something about it, the C is to connect with a higher power. The T is to think with the discipline. And the S is to serve others with love. It's all about taking action and engaging because if you let adversity uh, uh, take over your life, it will swallow you up and eat you alive. You don't want that. Head on over to drbradmiller.com where we have over 190 episodes of this very podcast talking to great leaders and teachers and coaches, uh, medical doctors, health advisors, people with your, regarding your financial health, uh, people dealing with divorce, uh, health-related things, even uh, death and dying, all kinds of things we deal with here on Beyond Adversity. We can help you. I can help you. Uh, my doctoral degree is in transformational leadership. I'm here to speak into your life and to try to be your adversity doc, as it were, to help you to navigate your life of adversity, to come to your life of peace, prosperity, and purpose. We hope that you'll join us every week as we do just that here on the Beyond Adversity podcast. Head over to drbradmiller.com. We've got a free gift for you there. And we hope that you'll join us again next week as we continue to help you to grow through what you go through. Until next time, good people, remember to do all the good that you can. Thank you for listening to the Beyond Adversity podcast with Dr. Brad Miller. You can find a complete archive of all episodes at drbradmiller.com. That's drbradmiller.com. Or subscribe for free through Apple Podcasts and never miss an episode. Each week, we bring you a message to crush adversity and live your life of peace, prosperity, and purpose.